In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest, John Cheney, the CEO of Seek, joining us. John, welcome. Thanks so much, Bobby. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. I know uh, things can be really busy, especially these days. It's you know, with, so busy. Yeah, right. right everything's, uh, everyone's kind of trying to run, running around and, and figuring out uh, what to do kind of next to be able to, A, kind of preserve their business, but also be able to thrive during these days. So I appreciate you taking the time and, and kind of uh, joining us and giving us some of your expertise here for, for our listeners. Before we get started, uh, if you don't mind just giving us a preview, what is what is Seek all about? Yeah, Seek is all about bringing 3D to everybody, right? 3D is is the next layer of the internet. When the internet first came around in, you know, obviously 80s, 90s, you know, pictures were a big deal when they all of a sudden came here. That was the next layer. And then video obviously has been massive and social and there's so many different layers but 3D is is just at the beginning, right? You start with augmented reality right now, and you're going to move on to fully immersive and people wearing augmented reality glasses and holograms and all those things for the future. But right now, we're just starting to see where 3D is going to uh, make a massive impact. And where Seek sits is we're kind of the last mile delivery system for 3D, right? So uh, there's a lot of ways to make 3D content, whether it's in different programs and there's agencies out there that can help you. And sometimes people build in-house teams and you can do 3D scans and all kinds of stuff, right? And then you have platforms that that 3D content needs to be viewed on, whether that's software or hardware, iPhone, Android, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. And we're the in-between. We sit in between the creation and the distribution to make sure that Someone has a 3D model of, I don't know, Mickey Mouse, right? And that and that 3D model needs to be distributed and so that people can use it in a filter on Snapchat. Or maybe they need to sell a 3D model of him or they need to sell a toy of him. So that 3D model needs to go on a website, on a product page. And lots of diff- so many different use cases. And we unlock those 3D models to basically be able to sit wherever they need to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can you give us... Maybe for our listeners, kind of, uh, you know, let's say a, a typical retailer using your technology, how would they use your technology, how would they consume it, and, and, and what, what can they expect to get as a result? Yeah, you know, our technology has really primarily been built for an e-commerce implementation. There's a lot of different ways to use our technology, but typically we're helping retailers sell their products. So one of our customers is Nestle, as an example, and they sell coffee machines, right? You want to buy a new cappuccino maker, a new coffee maker, or whatever, Nestle sells some great ones. So you can go directly to their website and on the product page, you'll see a button somewhere that says view in 3D or maybe view in my room or view in my kitchen. Click that button. And if you're on a mobile device, that will pull up your camera view and, and it will place that product right in your kitchen or right on your countertop. Actual size, real colors, looks amazing. And you can take pictures of it. You can see it. You can move it around and see if it's going to fit in your kitchen, see if it's going to fit under that little spot under the microwave or wherever, right? And so typically that's how our customers are using it is they're putting it right on their product pages um, and then sometimes in you know even printed materials and things like that. We host everything in a web-based environment. So you can use QR codes. You can have direct links. You can text it. You can put it in an email. And it typically lives in a lot of these places. But the place where it typically hangs out the most is going to be right there on that product page. 
Awesome. 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 I, I noticed uh, you were kind of talking about how some retailers have seen increases up to about 150% in conversion, 25% decrease in returns. Talk to us a little bit about that. How, how, how are they getting those, those returns with your, with your platform? I, I think it comes down to just creating a better customer experience. Customers want to be, you know, when you go into a store, why do, why do people, why do retailers want people to go into a store? Because they can pick it up, feel it, and all their questions are answered, right? The retailer's job, assuming they have a good product, is to get all the questions answered so that the customer can make a good, informed decision. And I believe the reason augmented reality has such an impact, especially for furniture, appliances, things that are going in your home, is there's no more questions. Right, you see this this coffee maker or this new kitchen table or this new couch in your living room, and and you no longer have the question of does it fit and do I like how it looks. Right, those questions are answered, and so when you can answer those questions really quickly, then that helps. And and then the flip side or the end of that transaction, you know, when you're talking about a return, if the customer is twenty five percent more sure about their product or their purchase on on the front end, then on the back end, that's going to stay there too. Right, they're not they're not going to return it because they already know it fits. It looks good in its space. I know the size. Is your technology mainly for the larger companies? I noticed, you know, big logos like Overstock, Lego, Nestle, or are kind of small to medium-sized businesses able to use your technology as well? We've really paid attention to making our technology scalable both ways. We want to be able to serve the Walmarts and the Legos and the Overstocks and Nestle's. Of course, that's how we run a big business and, and are able to pay the bills. But at the same time, we have you know entry-level packages, growth packages that let people come in and say, hey, I've got five to 10 products. I want to be able to use this technology. 150% increase in sales conversion sounds nice. I'd like to take advantage of that. Heck, even 20% sales conversion would be nice. So yes, absolutely. This can be used for by, by retailers really of any size. Anybody that's selling a physical product, this is going to help them. We've been in these post-COVID days for a little bit, for a few months here, or several months now at this point. And hopefully, you know, we, we start to get back to whatever this new normal looks like. I wanted to see, like, from your perspective, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in, in customer behavior during this time frame? The one that's obvious is online usage has just gone through the roof, right? E-commerce, I, I saw a graph put out by somebody reputable, I don't remember what who it was, but it showed that the e-commerce penetration level had jumped ahead 10 years in the last six months. It was put out by Deutsche Bank or something, some some analytics company, or I think Forrester was, was in there as well. So, But that's a huge, huge shift, right? As people were forced to shop for groceries online, do their meetings online, shop online, right? I mean, they didn't have any option. They couldn't leave their house. And so they had right. to figure out how to survive using all of these online solutions. And so I believe that that is something that, while we might not, it might go back a little bit, right? It, but, but I think we have jumped ahead a pretty significant quantum leap because most of the reason people don't adapt to new technology is because they're not familiar with it. They haven't tried it before. But once they've tried it, there's really no reason to go back, right? It's easier to order McDonald's from your kitchen table than getting up and going down to the store and grabbing it. And so there's all of these new ways that people have figured out, these new pathways. And I mean, there's a reason Amazon has hired 308,000 new people. And so online shopping, e-commerce, online interactions are significant. And brands that are hoping that it goes back to normal in retail might be disappointed in that regard. I think they need to really get their online game together. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think there's a portion of this that you know has accelerated online technologies and people to look both ways, right? Both online and offline. Uh, I think there's been great online retailers that have now actually thought about, hey, post COVID, I should go and you know create more of a pop up or smaller environment for mm -hmm. people to come pick up their items or whatever the case may be, right? Or 
or to be able to touch and feel for those consumers that want, do want to touch and feel. But overall, I think it's gone both ways and being accelerating, you know, that connection to the customer, learning more about that customer and be able to get in a place where you're in front of that customer when need be. Yeah, you know, on that point, you are exactly right. Kind of like the, the travel industry has obviously suffered a significant amount from from COVID. And yeah. I think once things open back up and people have a vaccine or whatever it is, people just aren't afraid of traveling anymore. I think we are going to see a renaissance of travel. It is just going to open yeah. up like never before. People are cooped up and dying to go on that vacation that they put off. And I mean, I literally, it was Friday on Sunday, my, my wife and my kids and I were going to Disneyland. And that Saturday, the day before we left, the Disneyland announced they were closing, right? And so we've been putting that trip off and we're ready to do it as soon as it opens back up and people feel it's safe and we don't have to wear masks and all of that, right? We want to wait yeah. until the world gets back to normal, but then we're going to we're going to explode again. So to apply that back to the retail side, yeah, definitely people have learned how to shop online. But if retailers can really focus on building amazing experiences in their stores, now more than ever, they have to have an experience, a reason to bring them in. Because now it's easy to shop. You buy that shoe online, it's done, right? Exactly. But if you can create an amazing experience where you go into the store and you feel very, you know, that personal touch, um, they know who you are, maybe somehow it's connected even to your online shopping experience, right? Being able to, to bring that retail experience to life will help uh, kind of a new generation of retailers emerge. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think we answered kind of part of this as we were talking, but you know, how temporary do we think these changes are? And I think, you know, my perspective is kind of what, what, what I was talking about the, and kind of the view that, you know, a lot of this has accelerated a lot of technologies and, and the ability to be able to know what customers want. It's actually interesting. I was talking to a retailer that was saying, although again, we all have our kind of grim feelings about what's happened during these COVID days. He was saying, Hey, I, I, I've been able, because I've opened up my online shop now to realize what skews and all of that good stuff that I should be carrying in store. And so getting access to that better data to be able to bring, you know, the items that my customers will want to shop and, and keep. What long-term changes do you think we're going to see here in retail? We've talked about a few of them, but do you have any glimpse into kind of the future of what you think we'll see as long, longer term changes? Yeah, I love what you said there about learning. That's what the retailers really need to take from this is there are a lot of retailers that knew it. They just didn't have to deal with it until now, but they knew that their online store was really just a show, right? It was it was kind of a placeholder. It wasn't really capable of handling significant commerce. And now they've had to they've had to step it up. And I, I can't tell you how many websites or companies we're talking to where they're saying, Oh yeah, we're redoing our whole website. You know, right? Because because they just realized it couldn't handle handle the volume. And, and in terms of you know how how long is this going to last and how temporary are these changes, I think, again, we are going to see a revival in the travel and the shopping and all of that and people getting out. But I still believe, like if we were, let's say we were at 20% e-commerce penetration and now we're at 30, which I think is pretty close to the numbers, I, I, we're definitely not going back to 20 ever, yeah, ever again, right? Maybe we go back to 26 or something. I have no idea. We might have a little back off and people might say, oh, yes, I can, I can finally go again. And, and then people are going to go back and say, wait, but you know what? During COVID, I can just push a few buttons and things show up at my door, right? And so the pizza industry figured this out a long time ago and everyone else is catching up. Yeah, it's interesting that you say the pizza industry because as we're looking, we have a, we have a number of uh, pizza clients as, as we've been talking to them. They're actually opposite end of the, of the spectrum because they have the technology ready to go. You know, they actually, you know, most of them have seen a surge during these times of, of business and, and are actually in better shape than they were kind of pre-COVID. So I think no, the, technology, the technology plays and doing those at the right times uh, definitely make a difference. 
Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny that that pizza pizza thrives. <laughs> it's been it's been fun to watch what industries are thriving, right? I mean, right. when I we, we were sitting talking about our just company future and plans and investors coming in and stuff like that for for here at Seek the other day, and and we were just running through a, a SWOT analysis, and and nobody ever put on the T column under threats global crippling pandemic, right? Um, right. <laughs> you know, and no, nobody planned for this, right? And, and it's been fun to watch each of the different industries deal with their own potential positives and, 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 and also negatives and trying to figure out how, how life goes on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know you're, um, so I actually was uh, talking to a retailer a few weeks ago that was using something similar to the experience that your, your platform creates uh, in the mm-hmm. sense of Allowing, you know, their users to be able to, you know, kind of see in real life in their own home environment, like kind of that look, that feel, you know, really kind of experience that in their own home environment and then, you know, buying it on the spot and then going to pick up, you know, curbside. And so I think the complementing kind of technologies here, especially with something like Seek is, is really refreshing to see because not only can you, I mean, you basically are touching it too, although you're not really touching it. You're kind of seeing it, how it feels in, in your own, uh, own environment and having that in-store experience kind of complement that. What do you think, uh, as you kind of look at your technology, how do you think you can kind of be able to you know, kind of supplement that in-store experience and make that even a better experience for people that do still want to go in-store and pick up and buy and all that good stuff? Well, let me give a, an example with, with furniture, or at least when, when I furniture shop, I go down to the, the local store here is RC Willie. That's the one that that's here. And so I, I'm going to shop for a new bed for my bedroom or maybe a new kitchen table. Let's take kitchen table because that's one that, that I've had problems with in the past in, when I when I buy it. I go to the store and it looks amazing. It's beautiful, right? And then I'm like, okay, let's buy that, have it delivered next Tuesday. Great. So then it shows up and I'm like, wow, that was way bigger than I thought it was. Um, I didn't realize it was going to take up that much space, right? Yeah. And so with augmented reality jumping into the picture... Now we can say, okay, great. This is awesome. Let me go home really quick. So the, the, the sales rep just gives them a link or a QR code or something. Hey, go home, try this out. And if you like it, push here. We'll order it next Tuesday, right? We'll deliver it next yeah. Tuesday. But then you can see it. You can, you know, so now you're very much connecting those two technologies together. I love that. It absolutely can yeah. benefit that in-store experience. You can answer the question, make sure that it's the right one. And, and I think that augmented reality, I often say that it's just as important to prevent a bad experience as it is oh, to, really? to make the right experience, right? If, if you can prevent yeah. the, the table from being too big and saying, oh, this, this is still beautiful. Let's just get the, the one size smaller. Great. Now we know, right? And and, and all the questions have been answered. Totally agree. That's actually a very u- good use case. So, you know, being able to go and talk about it, see it live in person, then see what it looks like in your own, your home or the office or whatever the case may be, whatever you're mm-hmm. buying. It's great. We're shifting back to kind of in-store experiences. What's the, what's the best one that you've seen? I know, I know we haven't been able to go and kind of browse around in stores for a while now. But what's the best in-store experience? What's one of your favorites? I mean, one of my favorites that we've done, at least, that I've that, that, that I've seen, and that they've done on their own for a while, actually, is Lego. Lego's cool, right? I mean, Absolutely. they've been doing augmented reality for longer than our company's been around. And, you know, they do it in their in their stores, and they're, you know, they're just incredible at creating engaging experiences. And it's fun. It's a toy, right? But being able to scan a QR code on a box, right? We did this and we did it in Walmart with Lego and they just had QR codes right in the, right in the aisle and you could scan it and it was, it was fully put together and actually animated, right? So you see the Jurassic Park scene, the Star Wars scene or the Lord of the Rings scene or whatever it is come to life in these Legos right there in front of you. And so kind of a, an in-store unboxing. Sometimes you can't really see from the box exactly what it is. Oh, how big is this going to be? How many pieces? Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's about the right size, right? Or, or maybe somebody accidentally bought the Millennium Falcon 
Lego set. I think it's eight hundred dollars. That didn't really realize that it was five foot wide model, right? right. <laughs> but being but being able to see that type of stuff in store, I think is really really cool. Yeah, Lego is one of my favorites too. I like uh, Lego. Nike is also a great experience. They tie in a lot of a lot of those kind of what I call digital technologies, where you typically see them kind of online, really into an in store environment to bring bring the store to life. So I think Nike also. Does a great job making you kind of visualize, uh, uh, you know, by wearing that shoe or you know that jersey or whatever the case is, what what you can look like and and what you can feel like and all that good stuff. So uh, they, they sell possibilities. Job. Exactly, yeah. you've labeled it correctly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are some, uh, John? What's some advice? Uh, what are some takeaways for retailers? Uh, you know, as they maneuver this, I, I've heard retailers do nothing. I've heard retailers go full extent of you know, kind of bringing technologies into their store locations kind of go the other side, be able to build an online store that they never had. But what are some key takeaways in general for retailers to, to think about? Don't be afraid of change. I mean, change is the only constant that I have found in life. If you just say, hey, this is the way it's always been done. Well, that's what Blockbuster said, right? And, <laughs> right. and there's plenty of examples out there like that. Um, there's a crazy stat that 50% of the Fortune 500 companies uh, that were on the list in the year 2000 no longer exist today. Wow! Not that they're not the Fortune on the Fortune 500 list anymore. They just don't even exist don't anymore, exist. right? Yeah. And they just—that means half of these big, supposedly successful companies didn't learn how to adapt. The world changed, and they didn't, right? And so, don't be afraid of change. And that—that that, maybe that's augmented reality in 3D and embracing that. And and for the right companies, that is the right answer. But there's e-commerce and personalization, and you know things that you're trying to compete with on, on Amazon. One day, two day shipping, drone deliveries. I mean, there's so many different things out there for every industry, and it's impossible to give just one blanket statement. And just don't be afraid of it. Lean in, try it, use it, go for it. If you're in an industry where it's been proven, go all in. Uh, like furniture is is one where if you're considering augmented reality and you're a furniture company, stop considering it and buy it. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it works. It works hands down. No questions, ifs, ands, or buts. And so just go for it. It's okay that you've done things one way up until now, but now it's 2020, soon to be 2021. And uh, the world is is moving forward, whether you do or not. 100% agree. 100% agree. And I think, uh, you know, the other thing that I always tell, you know, retailers to look for is to, is to really get to know their customer. At least right now, we've had the opportunity for those that haven't really double clicked on that to take a little bit of a step back and really analyze who their customer is to be able to build, to your point, the right solutions to get in front of that customer, to make it easy for that customer to transact with you or work with you or whatever the case may be. So I'm with you, I think, and not being afraid of change is, is definitely one. And, you know, looking at who your customer is and double clicking on that and building the right solutions. Uh, it's probably the other end of the spectrum, John. With uh, you know tech, and you, of course, you guys have uh, you know very forward-looking tech that's you know bringing things to life right now. But what what other technologies did you kind of not anticipate growing at or being adopted at, at a fast pace, and that you've seen being adopted over the last few years at a very fast pace? Five G is is really exciting to me personally. That and AI, and I'm going to say more specifically in AI, visual search. Visual search is is incredible, and and all of these AI, AR, visual search, they all need five G to function at scale, right? They need faster internet speeds. In fact, internet speeds have been one of the primary drivers of new innovations, right? The internet was not fast enough in the '90s to handle pictures. It was not until until you know the very end when it finally started getting there. Then the internet got a little faster. Now we can do video online. Now it's getting a little faster. Eventually we can do virtual reality online, right? You'll be able to stream amazing, you know, gigabytes of data constantly. And and you you can't quite do that yet. 
and so being able to bring those technologies to life, 5G, 6G, 7G, you know, that that's going to, to bring a lot of these other ones to life. But, but visual search is one that I'm really, really excited about coming down the pipeline here. And it's already being used. You can download the Google Lens app and you can point your phone at anything that will tell you what that product is and where you can buy it. You see your friend wearing some cool shoes, fine. Open up Google Lens, look at it, boom, 10 places to buy it right there. Goodness gracious, that is so powerful. I mean, talk about the, the whole world being a search engine. Uh, you can look at it. And, and part of that, well, they haven't quite figured out how to make the user interface work, right? So that's why we don't see it yet. But being able to buy something you see in a TV show or in a movie or anything, yeah. like that. A, lot of, a lot of people have tried to figure that out. And it's just, you don't want to interrupt the viewing experience. And so that's why it hasn't really taken off. But nobody wants to sit around and just watch ads all day. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but for now, visual search is uh, is just starting to catch on uh, in a really big way, and I'm excited for for the potentials of that. And then when you put all those technologies together, right? When you say, "All right, what if we have an overstock room builder?" Right? Where you you open it up, you're wearing Apple glasses or something, and you say, "Okay, overstock, I need a new couch." And you're standing in your living room, and it says, "Okay, look around." And it uses that visual search and AI technology to look around the room and it see, sees everything that you have, it sees the colors, the angles, how much space you have, what other furniture you have, what are your styles, do you have any pictures on the wall? Like, what do you like? Who are you? I mean, it just sizes you up really quick, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden provides a bunch of recommendations based on the product catalog that it has, you know, and, and all the tags and, and similarities and things and searches it's done on its own inventory and then turns around and says, all right, here's a new leather couch. What do you think? Okay. What do you think about this in white? What, you know, what about this? How about, okay, great. Now you got that. We saw that you have a, a space over here for a painting. How about this one? We think you'll like it. Right. And so when you start to use that AI suggestion engine and the visual search and augmented reality and the hardware and all those coming together, that becomes a pretty fun home shopping experience that we can look forward to in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Specifically, when you think about retail uh, and retailers, and as you think about this, think about more kind of that medium size or smaller retailer, what technology do you think they will have to adopt here? And I know, you know, again, it's based on kind of the type of retailer and all that good stuff, but what do you think is going to be the one thing that you think will have the biggest impact on shaping the future of, of brick and mortar retail? I know I'm biased, but out of all the technologies that I just mentioned here, I really believe that visualization is is one of the biggest. Being able to see what a product looks like in your life as opposed to a nice staged perfect life is a big deal, right? Being able to see what clothes look like on your body, not the model's body. Being able to see what the ring looks like on your finger right there, yeah. what the shoe looks like on your foot, what the what the piece of furniture looks like in your room. I mean, that's personalization. I think is a trend that every single company can get on right now. Personalization is huge. And I believe that augmented reality is one of the ultimate technologies in personalization because you're showing your product on that person, on yourself, right? That makes a big difference. And so I think augmented reality has also gotten to a point where anyone can afford it. And that's a big deal. It used to be when we, when we started the, the company in 2016, we were selling contracts for fifty dollars to $250,000 a piece. And that's not affordable by every business. Now we could sell a contract for $1,000 a month. That starts, and, and, and especially one that's driving an ROI, right? And so that's brought it to just about any size business can get in on that. If they have any sort of revenue whatsoever, being able to uh, you know give their business a 10, 20, 30% bump on their online sales conversion for paying a thousand bucks a month is a, is a huge, easy win for them. So I, again, I'm biased, but I think that augmented reality is the technology that is ready today for mass consumption and mass adoption. Makes sense. Makes sense. And you're right. Especially with the returns that you uh, kind of shared in the beginning, 
if I'm getting that, those returns as a retailer, that's definitely something I should be looking at yep. for sure. Absolutely, John. Well, that's that's a wealth of information. Thank you so much for for taking the time and joining today. Before I let you go, what are what are some cool areas to check out when uh, someone is in Utah? I'm a huge outdoor person. I'm I'm a whitewater kayaker, and I love love doing that. But um, but Utah's known for its snow, at least during the winter. During the summer, all those all those uh, ski slopes turn into mountain biking and hiking and and just incredible things. But if you if you fly into Salt Lake, you're within uh, 45, 30 to 45 minutes of about 12 world-class ski resorts. My favorite is Alta. If you're a skier, go to Alta. If you're a, a snowboarder, go to Snowbird. And then if you're here in the summer, heck, even even you know fall, spring, whatever, um, head, head down to Southern Utah. You find Moab and Science National Park and Grand Escalante and so many. There's something like seven national parks here in Utah. It's incredible. Wow. So if you love the outdoors, Utah's a place to come. That's awesome. Definitely going to come check it out and, and, and give you a visit too when travel opens up a little bit. <laughs> Please do. We're always awesome. open. Awesome. Awesome, John. Well, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it. Wealth of information for our listeners. Uh, and again, thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.